Hi guys, welcome to Viewpoints, a podcast with Lizzie and Michelle. I'm Lizzie. I'm Michelle. Our guest today is Asude, a fine arts student currently studying in Prague College, and we will be discussing topics such as the value of art in today's modern world and our views on what success means to us. Asude, I know you do a lot of portraiture work, and I wanted to know what like influenced that. Was it your like uh, fascination and desire to learn more about anatomy, or was it like a general fascination with like uh, human beings and their faces? Mm-hmm. I think it's the second one because it was more like a. It was mostly an instinctual thing. Just I just wanted to draw people and characters, and mm-hmm. over time, it's just like. You look at faces and then you get inspired and you draw them and then you look at them and so like, um, there's like so much you can say and, uh, or like explore within faces. It's just like impossible to be a pen master in. And so I just kept going and mm-hmm. kept doing it and learning more about it. I was looking at your art Instagram page and we'll also link that for the viewers to see on the Agora magazine page. When I looked at your artworks and your paintings, it reminded me of Egon Schiele in a way, but it's still very much you. Mm-hmm. And I can sense that you have your own style and something new that you're bringing to the table. So what I wonder is what derived that style? How did it came to be? Mm-hmm. Um, I love colors, which is one thing. I love catching a vibe within the painting kind of with and I like not knowing the ends with the painting but kind of like building upon it as I go and like kind of stopping at the point where I just feel like stopping and also exaggerating a little bit caricaturization uh, I really enjoy as well especially when drawing arms and legs and bodies you know those sharp lines and more being more instinctual with it uh, so all of that coming together is, I guess, creates a style, but that style is mostly like kind of off the moment. It can change it. Next time I do a painting, it can be a very different uh, sensibility than the last one I did. And I wanted to ask, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I know you've had a couple of exhibitions around Prague already. And I specifically wanted to ask you about your most recent one, which was at the, uh, Sheila House, could you like tell us like how that entire experience went and like how that how that happened, how that came to be for you? Yeah, it was an unexpected experience for me as well as just generally it was a very last minute. Uh, in Prague, I uh, started frequenting a lot of jam sessions, and in one of those jam sessions, there was this guy from Chesky Kumlo that I had met with who was also interested in art. And turns out that his friend was looking for somebody to do an exhibition there. And like last minute, he told me within two, three weeks, we created the exhibition and just went for it. And it was a very rich experience living in Egon Schiele's house and where he used to live and paint. And then, but also there is the fact that, uh, I am like quite young. And I'm, I don't really consider myself a painter either necessarily. It was a very, as I said, rich experience, but the part of that richness was the realization that an exhibition isn't necessarily a success. It is a mark of a period of maybe a period of painting that you're closing or a period that you lived in a certain place and you want to like kind of enclose it all within a single exhibition. But after the exhibition, the more important part is just keeping on painting or keeping on doing your work. That's a really interesting um, perspective on 
success, actually. Firstly, really cool that you got to experience Econ Chile's, mm-hmm. I guess, atmosphere. And so when you, when you talk about success, how would you define that for you? For me, success, um, just being in peace. Yeah, I mean, that exhibition was sort of a success of some things. But success is, I think, something you need to build on. It's not the goal, but it's kind of like the little pats on the back we get throughout the way. Like an exhibition that was kind of successful, a pat on the back, because I had like enough material and enough paintings to exhibit already last minute. But at the same time, it doesn't say anything really about my future. It just says something about kind of my past and what I was doing at that moment. And now I... I have to think about how to build on it, you know, kind of get stuck in it. So I know you grew up in Turkey and uh, I know we've talked about this before that we've had some like similar experiences in terms of how we were raised and the cultural atmosphere. Mm-hmm. How would you say that's influenced your work and your like drive towards something? Like has mm-hmm. that had a major impact on you? Yeah, definitely. Painting wise, uh, I think it's kind of was what's pushed me to my medium a little bit this uh, i've been thinking about this lately that like maybe it was kind of this urge to hide behind something i was kind of more inclined towards painting rather than music because i did a musical education as well but i kind of like put it pushed to the side and painting was something that i could do to pass time and i could do it secretly um, there's that component to me choosing painting over music. It, even further than that, it's, I think in like cultures like ours, I guess it is hard to find a place to be. Like here, for example, you can go out to the park and lay around and just do whatever you want and nobody will really bat an eye or say anything. Back home, what I found the most challenging was finding kind of a place to settle yeah. or and kind of justify myself and kind of make myself invisible you know that was hard and kind of having like a notebook to draw in is a good excuse to sit at a cafe or sit on the side of the road or just like get out of the house or with art in general on more like a global perspective what is your opinion on today's art and um, firstly, do you think your work differs from it? And also, what do you think is now the criteria for art? Because, you know, some would argue that art can be anything nowadays. And I don't know if you agree with that or not. So what do you think? Mm, I think, like, it's kind of like that Ratatouille thing. Like, anybody can be a chef. Doesn't necessarily mm. mean that, like, anything you see can be a chef, but you can find, like, in this case, art in anything, kind of. It can come out of, like, all the things that you don't really um, think about. So I think in a way it is true that anything can be art. Art is kind of this extraction of life and of experience into, well, in this case, material. But also you can turn that process upside down and extract, take the material first and then extra find some life within it. But I don't think that gives, of course, like free license for like anybody to be like, oh, this branch is art. How 
it's just this. That's not like necessarily what I mean, but I think there is artistic potential in anything because it's just wherever there is life and a story, there is a piece of art a little bit. You know, when I when I think about that, usually about that question, which is like, what makes art art? Like as an example, um, Kazimir Malevich, mm-hmm. he, he paintings of just like black and white squares on a canvas. And, you know, for somebody that is not maybe so knowledgeable in the sphere of art or understanding mm-hmm. her meaning within those paintings, I would probably look at it and say, like, why is this considered mm-hmm. art? And for somebody that is more experienced, more knowledgeable in that sphere, I, I want to know your perspective on that. Mm-hmm. I think the thing to remember for, like, Malevich, for example, is he just wanted to paint those squares. He had an idea and he painted those squares, but he didn't say, uh, these squares are important squares and you're going to pay millions of dollars for them. He just did something. He had an idea and then some people found something genuine within that idea, something important, something that spoke to human history and said, okay, this is important idea. We need to save it. And the more people want to save it and the more people want to remember that idea, the more expensive that idea is going to be. But at the end of the day, like the only reason that thing is in existence is because Malevich just wanted to make it, which is what's most important, I think. The the thing for me is um, whenever I think of art like this, that is a little bit more confusing or not straightforward art, you know, it's not like paintings of people and it's or it's really not understandable what the meaning behind it is. It could be like a, a black dot on a white canvas and then, you know, it seems a little pretentious that, you know, people are staring at it or something like that. From a perspective of somebody that is, you know, not, not so experienced into the field of fine arts. So what I always wonder when it comes to this is just how big of a role does the name of the artist actually plays? Mm. Because sometimes I I do get the feeling that once the artist becomes known mm. or whoever it may be, anything that could be created by them or were created by them, even if it was something that is like a little mm. bit on the absurd spectrum, like I said, a black dot or just, an, or, or just a white canvas with a, a scribble or something, people would give it like such a huge mm. value. And, I don't know whether that's unintentionally diverting away from what art is supposed to be and what it stands for, and it becomes for the sake of the name, for the sake of the brand itself. Yeah. Um, well, I think the name matters. Of course it matters, because in a way, um, when you're buying a name, you're not necessarily buying the artwork, but you're buying the story. Like, for example, with Picasso, I think there is this difference between like art and technique. Like art is what you try to kind of convey and technique is how you convey it. And with Picasso, because we know he can paint quite well, quite anatomically correct, like good lighting, everything, because that was how he was painting in the beginning, you know. And then he, uh, because we know that he was later on very much free to be taken seriously when he could, when he threw aside the technique. 
So like he also he just focused on the art, and because the people knew that he wasn't just focusing on the art because he couldn't do the technique, he was focusing on the art because he wanted to kind of focus on the art side of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that he was able to like be taken more seriously. If anybody kind of came into the scene with those portraits, they might not have been like taken really seriously and been like, oh, you just wanna not learn. The technical side of it, I guess. Like you, when you buy a name, you buy the story of the artist. It's not necessarily the, the single piece of work that you're buying. When you buy a cubistic Picasso, you know that you're buying the painting of a man who can also do anatomically correct paintings, but he has chosen to keep experimenting and do these cubistic paintings. Or when you buy an earlier painting of his, you know that you're buying the painting of a man who has changed art history. Yeah, I agree. And I really like your perspective on why people buy something that might seem so absurd at first, that it's not just, it's not that piece of work that they're buying. They're not buying just a black dot on a canvas, but they're buying the story behind it, behind who created it. and what went into making it, etc. Because I never thought about it that way. I always thought because Picasso is now popular, for example, everybody's going to buy his work, no matter how ugly or pretty, maybe. Mm-hmm. That was my perspective. But it's like, do people really like the scuba style? That was always my mm-hmm. thing where I was like, I don't understand why this is so hot. <laughs> up. It just seems like, you know, he became, it became like a trend to like him or something. Mm-hmm. But Looking at it from that perspective, which is you're buying the story, you're buying the fact that, you know, he was so revolutionary. He made this whole movement. He, there's so much history behind that little painting that I may consider ugly, right? And there's more to that than its aesthetical value. And that's, (laughs) I found that really interesting. And uh, within that idea of, you know, artwork, having such intrinsic value where pieces of art are bought for thousands and millions on an Mm -hmm. auction um something that is so personal and so deep you know i feel like it becomes kind of fetishized sometimes by the audience and take the take the example of uh banksy Mm -hmm. his entire artwork was paradoxical to that culture of and adding such so much intrinsic value to commodities and then when his um curl with a balloon was put up on the auction and bought and then he shredded that piece to make mm-hmm. a point that the piece rose within its value even more which just just made the whole thing even more like paradoxical with that consumerist culture when it comes to art what what is your opinion mm-hmm. on it well i think it's not really an intrinsic value it is an extrinsic value we give it because it's not like a painting is some paints some thinners just so and accounts that's all together kind of give or take should be like 50 euros then it's sold for fifty thousand euros so the intrinsic value is kind of 50 euros but because with the banks i think for example because it is like a scene thing that he did to and they show us and show the people and there is a big story behind that girl. 
the value people give it has gone up. So I think it's just like, you know, what we want. Art is all about like, I think we want. Uh, Banksy wanted to do that uh, girl with the balloon and then he wanted to shred it and then people wanted it. And they're like, oh, I'll pay more, I'll pay more, I'll pay more. That's just like, that's just, if they want to pay the artist, great, you know, let me pay my rent. How much you want to pay for it, uh, that's up to you. The more, the better for, uh, I mean, I think for me. Yeah. But of course, at the same time, there is the art market, which is, I wouldn't say art markets is necessarily the art world. But there, it's within the art markets. It does seem very arbitrary sometimes, like what is more valuable, what is not. Which is why I guess mm -hmm. it's like over time, after a century, that we actually appreciate the people we need to appreciate rather than the ones we think we should appreciate. Because mm -hmm. uh, anything that you know is cool to appreciate is probably already a little bit old and when you're gonna find something that is different a little bit irritating it's hard to appreciate it at the moment sometimes but wait if wait 50 years 100 years if the message still resonates then yeah the guy did something nice it's cool like kudos now we know that <laughs> this was what was right from them sorry for not noticing it back then i mean it's tough to kind of just like know like when you're creating something, if you're, especially currently, there's just so much art being put out by so many, so many people, so many different artists. And like for me personally, I find it really difficult to create something that feels original in any sense, which kind of pushes me away from wanting to create because anytime I have an idea and I kind of try to gather my thoughts or gather research on a project or something, I find out like, oh, it's already been done. You know, it's already, I've seen it already. People have already seen it. And I feel like that creates a very, art is a very competitive like uh, field. It is very competitive. It's very difficult to kind of emerge as someone, you know, innovative mm -hmm. and new and creating things that haven't been seen before. I feel like that's very difficult. Mm -hmm. And uh, like, do you ever feel stuck in terms of originality? Like, do you ever feel like what you're doing is unoriginal and that you can't come up with an original? Yeah, so idea? at the end of the day, it kind of goes back to the enjoyment of it. You know, I don't really care how original what I do is, but if it's going to give me more enjoyment of doing it to be original and it's going to give me a better, like, kind of sense of self, then might as well try to do something different. But it's usually just like motivated by an instinct to do things and decorate things and make things look nice and pretty. And I, what I wonder is, as a, as an artist of this generation that is so social media based and technology driven, mm -hmm. does that limit you or does the opposite for you in a way when it comes to fine arts because fine arts is such a traditional form of art if you know mm -hmm. what i mean so well what <laughs> well social media definitely limits me because it's an addiction mm -hmm. like the other day i tried like turning my phone off before i went to bed and like just didn't touch it and i haven't been like it, it was so good just not having social media first thing in the morning because for art, I think it definitely needs to make, like, you need to be bored a little bit to make art. 
and with social media it's just not possible to be bored I feel like lately not really um but at the same time there are a lot of people who learned about my arts through social media of course it's easy to give it kind of as like a business card you know like here's my social media look at it but really not the people who are gonna buy your work not necessarily uh that are the ones that come from social media it's more of a different currency that feels like currency and validation but it doesn't really do anything at the end so I would say unless you have like a couple thousand people following you and people finding you and like asking you for commissions and stuff, which doesn't really happen on Instagram, I feel like it happens maybe on other platforms. I would say it's mostly an illusion how much social media helps Instagram at least helps some like a real artistic career, you know, mostly interpersonal relationships, I would say that is more, way more important. That social media likes. I agree. I think so too. As a as an artist of a different kind, <laughs> a different sphere, I also find it easier, and I find more potential in the mm-hmm. real world um, when finding you know connections with people in real life, and you know you discovering other people, they discovering you. I feel like that is way more important, plays and plays a bigger role in my art personally than if I were to put it out into social media because yes it might get you know some likes some follows some things like that but it's not memorable not to them and not for me and it's going to eventually just get lost into other accounts that are also similar to mine so I think it's it's really difficult to say that it's necessarily helping people get discovered because i think that still happens in real life connections which i'm happy about but if anything sometimes i feel like it creates more of a competition or more more, more of a feeling to need to keep mm-hmm. up yeah with social media and with the technology that's coming up definitely it's like a fake race that doesn't really take mm-hmm. you far in real life yeah, that's a good way of wording it. Yeah, fake race, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it really is like, well, what's a like and what's a comment? Yes, it's appreciation, but is it really? It's like you said, it just like validating mm-hmm. for a little while, but then it's like kind of empty. It's forgotten in a second from both sides. Yeah. yeah. So, with everything like we talked about today, with you discussing like future exhibitions and wanting uh, to take your art forward and things like that, where do you see yourself? going for your future mm-hmm. i know that's kind of like a wide question to ask and usually when you ask someone like it's typical like where do you see yourself in five years mm-hmm. it's kind of an odd question to ask because you don't really want to guess where you'll be that's, in five yeah, years yeah it's nice but, to have goals though. so like what are your goals for the future like within the next let's say five to ten years where do you mm-hmm. see yourself where do you want to be well i think um i got fooled into the idea that i could be a painter and live like that but like i don't think even i want to do that when it fits for possible mm-hmm. i've been actually thinking about going back to theater because i worked in theater when i was in high school and i've been thinking going back into scenography basically it could be really fun so my general idea for the next couple of years is just finishing my bachelor's and uh, saving money and applying for a stenography masters and during that time if i want to keep painting i'll keep painting if 
not I'll find something else to do. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> um after that, you know, as long as I'm enjoying what I'm doing, I guess I should be fine. That's really cool. Are we all like a theater kids here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. theater, yeah. So that was it for today's episode. Thank you, Asude, so much for coming. We will link her Instagram art page and the Agora magazine page uh, for you to check out. And as for viewpoints, stay tuned for the next week's episode, which will be in two weeks.